over the last year, we've tried to be in a little bit more of a habit or a rhythm of sprinkling in services where uh, instead of what we would consider to be a, a traditional sermon, uh, we simply listen to the reading of the word. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. You probably see it on your bulletins already. We're going to read the book of Ephesians together. And uh, I'm really excited to be able um, to do it. This is one of the commands in scripture. So in addition to exhortation and teaching, the apostle Paul instructs us in 1 Timothy to read scripture aloud publicly. Okay? That's what we get to do this morning. And then he reminds us again in 2 Timothy 3 that all scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable to us for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so this morning as we as we sit and we hear God's words, and this is God's word penned by the Apostle Paul in a letter to the Christians in Ephesus. May we listen with attentive reverence to all the Holy Spirit might impress on our hearts. This book, the book of Ephesians, would likely have been written uh, around the time that Paul wrote the book of Philippians, the letter to the church in Philippi. And so contextually, we're kind of in that same place. And Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, urging them toward a Christian maturity that is deeply theological and dutifully embraced. And so it's got six chapters in it, and it's really broken out in two sections, the first three chapters and the next three chapters. The first three chapters, the position of the Christians, what we are. And then the last three, four through six, the practice of Christians, which is what we do. And I love because Mitch uh, Marcheski last week brought this out. He said, God identifies who you are before he gives you the what you are to do. And that's a structure that we see here in Ephesians. The first three chapters, the who we are, and the next three are the what we do. There's a couple of fundamental doctrines that should pop out of this. We are chosen by God, redeemed by Jesus, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. So James is going to kick us off. We'll have a couple other people read, and I'll come wrap it up in a minute. Good morning. If you want to open up your copy of God's Word to the book of Ephesians, we will be reading from the English Standard Version. If you don't have a Bible, there are some on the back table there if you'd like to grab a copy of the Word of God. The letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through the blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have attained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 
so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. 
And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of, of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not, not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who, he who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to, into him who is the head, into Christ, from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is, which it is, with which it is equipped. When every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that you may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, 
has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But instead be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, 
This he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, My beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, just in summary, I've only got a couple of thoughts here, and then we'll sing and we'll, we'll uh, close out. Um, really, even some questions that I hope you'll write down. You'll probably see these show up in a CG uh, format here in a couple of days. But these themes of predestined, chosen, adopted as sons and daughters by God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So as lofty and mysterious as this sounds, that's how chapters one and two describe us as Christians, do they not? Despite all being sinners and undeserving with relationship, undeserving of a relationship with God. So here's the first question. I'll read it a couple times. If you're taking notes, this would be one to write down. What would be a proper response for us to this amazing grace? What's a, rep- a proper response by us to this amazing grace The fact that despite we are sinners and undeserving of a relationship with God, he sought us. What would be a proper response? And second part of that is what should your life look like as one who belongs to God? What should your life look like as one who belongs to God, being both created and redeemed by him? What should your life, what should my life, what should our lives look like? Paul describes what it looks like to live as mature Christians in chapter four through six. So that kind of answers that first question. 
He explains, Paul explains how church isn't something that we attend, but a people to whom we belong. And I've been working hard. My wife has been helping me on this. We don't go to church, right? We are with church. This isn't a building. I don't say, I'm going to go up to the church. No, no, it's a schoolhouse. This is a building. We are the church, right? We are the church. So how does this understanding of church challenge your previous views? How does this understanding of church challenge your previous views? Secondly, what might it mean for you to spiritually belong to this body, to this particular people we call Oaks Church? What might it mean for you to spiritually belong to this particular body of believers here at Oaks Church? And what might this require of you? Because it is costly. What does it cost? What might it cost you? The next set of questions have to do with husbands and wives and children. You're not out of this one either. If you're a husband, if you're a husband, is your Christian maturity on display in the way you sacrificially love your wife? If you are a husband, if you're a husband, is your Christian maturity on display in the way you sacrificially love your wife? If you are a wife, is your Christian maturity on display in the way you respectfully submit to your husband? Wives, is your Christian maturity on display in the way you respectfully submit to your husbands? And I said kids weren't free in this one. Oaks kids are little acorns. (laughs) Do you honorably obey your parents according to God's commands? Because he says obey, doesn't he? Listen to your mom and dad. Obey them. Kids, do you honorably obey your parents according to God's commands? Brothers and sisters, do we all understand the dutiful privilege we have to walk in our God-given roles? These are our God-given roles. This is what he calls us to. Because doing so is the mark of Christian maturity. Doing that is the mark of Christian maturity. I'm going to pray. Ed's going to come back up, and we're going to sing one last song, and then the donuts are across the hall, but let me pray. (laughs) Father, thank you for the words uh, that were penned by the Apostle Paul, Lord, but inspired by your Spirit. These words show us who we are, Lord, in you, and then go on to explain and to show what we are to look like. So would we first dwell on the fact, Lord, that we are yours in Christ, that we are secure, Lord, that when when we place our faith in you, place our trust in you, Lord, that we are secured in Christ. That's our identity. That's who we are. And because of that, Lord, the second half of this book, this letter to the Ephesians, reminds us of what we are to do, what we are to look like, Lord. Let us dwell on that this week. I pray that This would lead to really good discussion in our homes, with our spouses, with our children, Lord, with our parents, whatever it might be. On Wednesday night, Lord, as we gather in our community groups, be with us as we wrestle with these passages, Lord. This means something for each and every one of us. Because if we're not in Christ, the call is to take Christ. And for those of us that are in Christ, the call is to look more like Christ. Lord, help us in that work. As Mitch reminded us, sanctification begins and ends with you, Father, so we don't have to do this alone, but it is hard work. 
Would we work hard in it, Lord, and would you be gracious to us in that, Father? Thank you again that we can gather. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.